0: This is Jerry White. I'd like to introduce you to Sage Intact, a leading provider of restaurant accounting and financial solutions. Sage Intact helps their restaurant customers reduce time, cost, and resources on tedious financial processes so they can focus on servicing customers and growing their businesses. To learn more about how Sage Intact restaurant customers make smarter decisions with critical visibility in business performance, I invite you to get more details at sageintact.com dot com forward slash hospitality that's s-a-g-e-i-n-t-a-c-c-t dot com forward slash hospitality welcome back to fast casual insider i'm jerry white associate publisher of plate magazine and host of today's podcast today we're talking with meg rose who is vice president of firehouse subs she is responsible for field operations and has been an integral part of the leadership team with CEO Don Fox. Firehouse Subs is experienced phenomenal growth in the fast casual segment, albeit amid fierce competition and industry challenges. Let's find out some of the keys to Meg's leadership and success. Welcome, Meg.
1: Thank you so much, Jerry. I'm glad to be here.
0: Great, great, great to have you as well. I want to start off by saying, like many of us, our first experiences with work came via the restaurant industry. And I know that's true for you. But unlike most, you decided early on that moving up in the restaurant world would be your career goal. So what was it that bit you back then that said, hey, restaurants are going to be uh, where I want to be in life?
1: Well, you know, I think you're right. I fell into it in college, uh, needing a job to pay for school. And then it was one of those things. I was in Rhode Island and working in a bar at the beach. And um, I don't think I ever set out to do it, but it turns out when you're good at something and you enjoy the interaction with people, and I just stuck with it. And I think the biggest thing has been that it's a people industry. It's not always product. It's about the people, whether it's the people you work with, for your guests, and it changes every single day. So I think anytime I ever thought to leave the industry, and I did once or twice and got in this four walls and no interaction with various people, I just went back to the restaurant industry. It It was a natural. So and then was lucky enough to work with people or work for people where hard work and working on the right goals and in the right direction enabled me to get a lot of opportunities. And I'm extremely thankful for that. You started
0: in the casual restaurant marketplace, I think with TGI Fridays, and then moved over to Applebee's?
1: Yep, I did. After Fridays, I spent a couple of years with Chi-Chi's. Oh, okay. Which was great, right in the, the height of their growth, which was another great chain to work for, really learned a lot, and then ended up with an Applebee's franchisee in upstate New York. Gosh, I started with them. They had one restaurant and left when we had 62. And that was a phenomenal experience. One, particularly on on learning how to work through growth. I think in our early days, we built four or six restaurants in a year. So when you have that kind of growth, you really have to work through how to best manage it, how to get the right people and, and how to keep moving forward.
0: And I know um, you are uh, very, very big on leadership and instilling leadership and learning as you go. Did you have some key mentors in your early career that helped you along with that? And if so, what did you take from them?
1: I did. At the time, I don't think I realized it. But looking back, there were definitely very key people who, one, believed in what I could do, forced me to talk which sounds strange, but I'm a pretty shy person and and really was. I can remember sitting at manager's meetings and after going up to my general manager going, hey, what if we do this or this? And he'd look at me and go, open your mouth. You're at these meetings. The restaurant business moves fast and you've got some great ideas. So... Started doing that and then um, realized that there are other people in that same boat that just needed somebody behind them just to go, hey, that's a great idea. Or, hey, we can do that. Or, hey, put that on the shelf for now. Let's bring that back up after we work on this. So I was very, very fortunate to have those people that would keep kicking me in the the rear end to keep moving forward Into I think, probably at times believed in me more than I did. And now I'm really trying to do that for people around me.
0: And when you made the transition from Applebee's to go to Firehouse, uh-huh. did you go to Firehouse with a completely different job role with them or was it more of a continuation of where you were?
1: No, totally different. And I actually took a break in between. I ended up working for Small Independent. And after about a year and a half, I went, oh my gosh, this guy's nuts. In a positive way, Um, but I really need to (laughs) slide that in. Really wanted to get back to a corporate structure. You know, things changing every day. Even though I worked for an Applebee's franchisee, we had tremendous amount of structure. We built that in almost from day one. So I really wanted to get back into that. So to be honest, I answered an ad for a job called Manager of Franchise Compliance, which fortunately we've changed the title. And it had a list of you need to be able to be you know operations and marketing and real estate and construction. I'm like, hey, I can do that. I've had a lot of interaction all of those departments when I worked for Applebee's, and so. I'm sending in a resume and that's where I started. So it was completely, completely different than what I had done with Applebee's, but did that about a year and a half. So I was out in the field working with our area representatives and working with our franchisees. But after a year and a half, Robin Sorensen and Don Fox, knowing of my operations background, um, it was right in the middle of the recession. So we're talking about 2008 and we were having trouble with our company restaurants, um, not making money, struggling. I mean, everybody was at that time. Costs were up, sales were down. It's a tough equation. So asked if I would take over our operations. And I did that for the next six or seven years. Turned them around. It was toughest years of my career, but gosh, so rewarding and really were able to make an impact. And we now own 37 restaurants. And I'm so proud of our general managers and our support crew who run those restaurants.
0: So did the uh, position that you took at Firehouse evolve greatly since uh, you know, when you started?
1: It has. One at the time, because of our size, we only had about 250 restaurants and we weren't across the entire country. So we only had two people in that role. Now we have six plus a director above that. The title is actually now Franchise Business Manager, and that's really what they are. They're working with the area rep to really work on the business strategy for the regions. So the job has definitely, definitely evolved, as has Firehouse.
0: And it sounds like you really had an active role in creating the career position for yourself there, bringing all of your experience to bear, albeit with some new ideas for the chain.
1: Yeah, I think so, which is, you know, again, to my earlier statement that if you work for people and Robin and Chris and Don and Vince, the executive team, we still talk about it to this day, that, you know, from day one of when I took over the company restaurants, that whole executive team, we were so fortunate our Firehouse really recognizes hard work, really recognizes this is not an easy industry. You know, sometimes the hardest job, I think, is our general managers having to get in there every day, make sure our guests are, are getting everything they need in the midst of a horrible labor market. So it's great when you work for people, who have done it. I mean, Robin and Chris ran the first firehouses for years and so understand what it takes. And it's so different now than when it was. So when you work for people, appreciate that and then elevate up. So now I'm fortunate enough that I oversee two departments, our franchise operations and our company operations. So hard work pays off. I think this industry has always proven that, which is great.
0: Yeah, reading a little bit about your background, I noticed that you kind of have a phrase, uh, learn at every turn. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that you impart that to your teams and those who work with you, which is a key to success. So circling back on a a comment you made earlier, um, obviously the marketplace, since you joined Firehouse, has really changed dramatically, perhaps more so in the last five years than it has in the prior 50 years. And it's continuing to transform. And I wanted to ask you, uh, as you look at your customers and what's going on today with lifestyle consumers... Technology. How are, is Firehouse adapting to, say, this new set of uh, rules for working with uh, your customers?
1: It's a great question. I think you're absolutely right. There's been more change that's gone on in the last three to five years. You know, five years ago, we would never have spoken about delivery, whether it was third party or doing internal delivery just didn't want to get into it didn't think it was necessary and now in today's day and age if you want to call it that you have got to be nimble enough to provide food and or services to guess where they want it you know technology moving at the speed of light is is a uh, impacted our business probably I think more than anybody else. So you've got you've got to be able to adapt to that. You've got to still be able to take care of and recognize that our dine-in guests are our bed and butter, but people choosing to eat off-premise is growing more and more. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that, whether it's just from a convenience point of view, simply getting out of the house, whether it's parking, driving, all those reasons. So you've got to be able to adapt to it and convince your franchisees that if they want to grow their sales, you can't not pay attention to it. You can't think that because your food is better or and we've heard other other concepts say, hey, we're not going to get into that arena because our food has to be, you know, is best when it's eaten in the restaurant. Well, I think that's true for everybody. But if guests are willing to acknowledge that there might be a slight change in quality, the more important factors where they want to get it or where they want to eat it, you've got to be able to adapt And even technology alone, even if we didn't have third party coming in, uh, you know, the things you can do with technology that you couldn't do five years ago. I know at some point I'm going to be shopping and I'm going to get a text on my phone that's going to say, hey, put that (laughs) away. You know, you don't look good. Yeah, we know it's coming. We know it's coming. And uh, as creepy maybe as that sounds, that's the reality of the world we live in today. So embrace it or you're going to get left behind.
0: Yeah. And do you feel that uh, these changes are largely driven by the so-called Gen Z generation? Or, I mean, what has happened to your traditional customers since the, the franchise opened?
1: It's easy to think that, but then I talk with, and I'm not a Gen Z, I'm a baby boomer, got to admit it. And I have just as many of my friends going, heck yeah, I'm ordering food at home. I'm not getting off the couch if I don't need to. There may be more generations that are easily dragged into using technology, but I think everybody embraces it. My 80-year-old mother is better on the computer than I am. <laughs> and it has been for a long time. And although she can't quite figure out how maps on her phone works. But other than that, it just me be that generation is more open to it, but at the end of the day, we're all adapting it. Why wouldn't I mean, I use my smartphone, man, I'm talking to Siri, I'm talking to my GPS. So I may not have been the first one to use it, but I'm sure as heck not could be the last one.
0: Yeah, I'm a boomer myself. And I always say that electronics and uh, technology certainly is not my native language, like it is for people who are 18 years and younger. Even my young granddaughter uh, seems more adept at using uh, apps and things on her computer than, than we are.
1: The one thing that does make me sad is I do think that interacting has changed face. You know, people are more willing to do it through a text message maybe than face-to-face. But maybe we'll uh, circle back to that and that'll catch up.
0: I was wondering about that. I mean, will we have a shift back to where we were at some point when people do get a little bit weary of not being able to interact. After all, hospitality is probably the most touchy-feely, and I certainly mean that in a good sense, industry in our nation of any other. And a lot of times they say, well, if it's high-tech, it certainly can't be high-touch. I'm just wondering if uh, we might have a backlash of that somewhere.
1: And we're trying to figure out ways through our technology we use. We're about to roll out a new online ordering platform, and we're trying to incorporate our service culture as much as we can in that. So when you log on, it's going to be, welcome to Firehouse. And if I hit my order's complete, we're going to get a copy of that or the same type of lingo that we would use in our restaurants. We're going to try and continue that or maintain that culture aspect, even though it's through a digital means.
0: This is Jerry White. If you're a restaurant looking to reduce time, cost, and resources on tedious financial processes while gaining better insight into business performance. I invite you to learn more about Sage Intact, a leading provider of restaurant accounting and financial solutions. Find out how Sage Intact can give you the visibility to help you grow your business at sageintact.com forward slash hospitality. That's s-a-g-e-i-n-t-a-c-c-t dot com forward slash hospitality. So, and, and as you looked at those changes, what changes are you actually making to the the restaurant that would reflect those? You mentioned that you're putting in like maybe a new order system, or what is it doing to the physical space in your restaurants going forward?
1: Interesting that you mentioned that. On July first, we're about to open our new, what we've been calling our restaurant of the future, which is a completely new prototype and design from anything we've ever done before. Going all the way to the kitchen layout is completely different. But part of a lot of what we've done is shift the guest areas of the restaurant more toward the front because... Our guest traffic has increased so much. So for that guest that's coming in to pick up a takeout order, we're going to make it really easy to see. It's going to be closer to the front of the restaurant. Our freestyle machine will be closer to the front of the restaurant. We've tried to tighten up the footprint because we have less dine and traffic means that we can still drive good volumes, good to great volumes with less seating. So we're trying to take those all into account that if you're a guest who called your order ahead and... Use the online ordering platform and we have what we call rapid rescue. You can walk in, pick it up and leave without ever having to interact with a crew member if you don't want to. We're trying to get that close to the door and very visible. So if you can do that quickly, we're moving the whole cashier stand, which has always been toward the back of the uh, restaurants, toward the front. So it's the first thing you see when you come in, which is completely new for us. So really excited about it, you know, really having a look at between the combination of higher real estate costs, the difficulty even finding the right size space. So really trying to decrease the footprint, but still be able to maintain the guest traffic, if not increase, guest traffic that we currently see.
0: You do your own delivery as well in some cases?
1: Yes, we do in some cases.
0: How much of your business would you say is represented by third-party delivery now?
1: If I looked at the entire system, we're probably sitting at between 6 and 7%. Uh, we've got markets, including our own, that are closer to 10%. Our highest restaurant, I think, right now in the entire system is averaging about 35% third party. So there's some significant numbers, and obviously that's growing. Two years ago, we were probably at 1% because we really hadn't had full-born engagement from our franchisees. We're currently probably at close to 95% of the restaurants are using third party where available.
0: That's pretty impressive, if you if you ask me. So, and obviously, you see that growing with your new restaurant of the future. Do you feel that that will be retrofitted to other locations, or is this going to be a, its own kind and going forward with that?
1: Well, I think it'll be its own kind going forward with that, but we will certainly take elements retrofitting. We've got the same time frame that most concepts have on when they need to go through a scope of work and and update their look. Probably what will be more important, and I can imagine doing much quicker, is the new back kitchen layout, which we spent a lot of time working on and we've actually put into test in a location in Jacksonville, our kitchen line is very linear, and it's long. So that's also impeded some of our ability to go into different footprints. And what we've done is really made it into a much smaller rectangle with the goal of hopefully making crew much more efficient, improving ticket times, and hopefully being able to move some needed crew members off the line. Meaning that with as hard as it is to find crew today, our goal would be that this design will help you run more tickets with fewer people.
0: I see. If you look at what uh, I kind of lumped this all into the word off premise as such, have you developed a specific marketing and sales tactics for this new part of your business? Or are you able to just kind of add things on from your normal marketing program?
1: We're starting to, we actually have a a department now, an off-premise department, and and that oversees, to your point, lumping all channels together over catering, drive-through, traditional takeout, web orders, online orders, kind of lumps those all together. And we're continuing to improve, whether it's packaging, processes, and so on. Bit by bit, those are being incorporated into our uh, marketing messages. So whether it's as simple as um, commercial last year, we made a point of somebody with a catering bag or showing some people that were outside eating firehouse, that type of thing. Our rapid rescue, which is our pickup zone where put an online ordering, go in pick it up and walk without having to talk to anybody we've used that in, in uh, marketing campaigns so certainly as time goes on absolutely will third parties is a little bit tougher because we don't have coast to coast and north to south coverage by any one vendor if that was to happen in the future if we were at the point where every restaurant we had was covered by whether it's uber eats or Grubhub certainly that's something that we would look at we're just not they're not there and we're not there yet
0: And are you finding that there are different third party delivery companies constantly trying to uh, work with you, or do you uh, interview and pick just one?
1: No, actually, our goal from the beginning is said, hey, we're going to allow our franchisees to use whoever they want. When you use an airline, people, you know, they are either a Delta person or American or United, and they're going to go with that particular vendor first until maybe they're forced to go somewhere else. And we're not always thinking they go somewhere else. They may just go to another food vendor, and we don't want that to happen. So we've been pretty open going, look, we're not going to force them to pick one because one, you don't have the coverage anyway. So we have folks out there that have run anywhere from two to nine different third party vendors
0: tell me a little bit about the uh, altruistic part of your business i know that you know the, the very origins of firehouse subs uh, had to deal with firemen and how has that manifested today
1: you just put a big smile on my face you know the public safety foundation or firehouse public safety foundation is probably one of the most important things that we do have ever done and will continue to do started right after Katrina, Robin and Chris, their heritage is firefighting their family, so on and so forth. So when Katrina happened, they took a bunch of people down in food with the intent of going to feed first responders, but they ended up feeding survivors, first responders, saw firsthand some of the devastation, fire stations that were ruined, and driving back said, hey, you know, we're in a position to be able to do something we should. So the Public Safety Foundation really originated out of that trip and out of that idea. So now we're sitting, uh, what, 14 years later, have now donated close to $44 million worth of equipment and education back to first responders, military, and so on. You know, I've been very fortunate enough to have met people whose lives have been impacted by donations that we've made. But within the restaurants itself, we have crew members and we have franchisees that really get that their efforts are saving lives in their communities. And that's priceless. It's just part of our our DNA. And it's really great when you can see a crew member who isn't able to maybe afford to do it themselves, but between their interaction with our guests, get donations made. um, It's really huge.
0: What an extraordinary contribution, I'll tell you. I I was going to ask you, um, you know, what was the most or is the most rewarding part of your job, but I I think you probably just described it, but I did want to ask one other question about: uh, Are you using a lot of social media to talk not only to your customers but also internally to your your employees?
1: Our HQ staff we use Workplace, so we do a lot of um, communications through that. And there's it's great. There's different things that can go on, you know, whether work related or health and wellness or daily inspiration things. Uh, We use that a lot, not quite as much with our franchisees crews, although we've got some different platforms that we use for training and that type of thing. Um, And then social media with our guests. I mean, that's ongoing. We have a a tremendous department that's really done some great campaigns and works really hard, whether nationally or really diving down even into individual communities on what we can talk about with Firehouse or with our franchisees and what they're doing out in the community. So the workplace is great for the office. It really enables us to keep track. Growth there has been amazing. I think when I started, we have 25 people. Now we've got over 140, including remote people. So it's a great vehicle to kind of keep in touch with them as well.
0: You certainly are known as a leader, not just uh, with your company, but also in our industry. And,
1: oh, thank you. Uh, what,
0: are, what are a couple of things that you say are non-negotiable in terms of being a leader?
1: As a leader, you've got to paint the vision. You can't ask your team or crew to work towards something that is murky or unclear. You've got to live the values of, certainly with Firehouse, that's pretty easy to live our values and our, our work toward our mission statement. And you've got to really understand that every person on the team is such a vital and an integral part of it as i said earlier this whole industry is based on relationships so it's really working hard to give back to what i've gotten along the way whether it's a, an open ear honest conversation but really just believing in the best in everybody and kind of forcing them to see that as well i mean i don't think in the restaurant industry we always realize the impact that we have on young people and sometimes we may be the first person who's ever said to somebody in our restaurant that hey you're worth something, you, you can work hard, we think you do a great job here. We don't know what they hear at their home life, but we know what we can give to them in the restaurants. And so I really try to live that. And the other thing, we've got an opportunity in Jacksonville where we live to really be able to give back to the community. And we've been involved in some really awesome things ongoing for the gosh, last eight to nine to 10 years and are able to do that and give back to the community that really has supported us so much. So I try to do that. Um, I'm on a couple of boards in uh, the city that I really believe in, and as are our other uh, executive people at the office, and just really you know, give back and recognize the opportunity that you're given. And I try to do that as much as I can for the people around me.
0: I, I could talk to you all morning about your leadership attributes, uh, but unfortunately, I think we're just about out of time. So I want to thank you very much, Meg, for joining us, for sharing your insights. You've given us actionable advice, for lots of fast casual operators out there looking to grow and looking to improve their leadership skills. We very much appreciate your insight, Meg. Thank you very much for being our guest today.
1: Oh, thank you so much as well. Have a great day. Talk to you again
0: soon. Listeners can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite services or find us at restaurant.org forward slash podcasts. This episode was produced by Dante32.